Hello, and welcome again to Maturing the Bride. Once again, we are in book two called One Degree Off. We're trying to make a very simple suggestion that if you've been one degree off for a very long, long period of time, disastrous results come about. And we're here to say, is it possible that the church in existing for 2,000 years has been just slightly one degree off? We began to look at our very foundations, and in our foundations we found four reasons for why Christ came. Number one, to die for our sins. Number two, for all things on earth. Number three, for all things in heaven. And number four, for the glory of God. And we found out from John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, that when Christ died, he only referenced the glory of his Father. And so he was saying, Father, glorify thy name. He died primarily for the glory of our Father. Why? Why the glory? Because God's glory is the only thing that satisfies us forever. Forever. Hence, we learn that God lives to glorify God. So now we're going to ask a very simple question in this lecture, and that question is this. How do we define God's glory? If it's all about the glory of God, how do we define the glory of God? Well, in order to answer that question, I want to take many of us back to our teen years, where back in those days, at least here in the United States, most of us learned to dissect a frog. Now, in dissecting a frog, I want you to realize that when you dissect a frog, you can learn about different systems. You can learn about the circulatory system, the reproductive system. You can learn about the respiratory system. You can learn about the digestive system. You can even learn about the skeletal system. You can also learn about, hey, the heart. You can see the heart. You can see the liver. You can see the bladder. You can see the lungs. You can even see the stomach. You can see the kidneys and you can see the muscles. But men and women, when you're done dissecting the frog, <laughs> after you've learned everything there is to learn about the frog, the frog is dead. <laughs> it's dead. So we're going to try to define the glory of God. But in defining the glory of God, I don't want to kill it, if that makes sense. So we're going to try to give our best definition of what it means to glorify God. But in that definition, we don't want to kill the glory of God and our understanding of it. So let's start out and try to figure out how can we give a good working definition to the glory of God. Well, let's start off in our different languages. Let's start off with the Hebrew and then go to the Greek. From the Hebrew to the Greek. In the Hebrew, the word is Kabod or kavod, it's two different ways you can do it. Kabod properly means weight, but only figuratively in a good sense. Be glorious, be burdensome, be honored. From there it also means kabod, properly to be heavy in a figurative sense. To be heavy in a figurative sense. So if one young man is sitting to another man and says, dude, that's heavy. What he's saying is that is deep, that is heavy, that is amazing. What? That's, that's, that's really heavy. That's great insight. 
And that's what the Hebrew Testament word is trying to convey. Heaviness, deepness, uh, an incredible amount of wisdom or insight. So Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The heavens declare the kavod, the kavod of God. The heaviness of God, the greatness of God. I don't know if you've ever studied our solar system, the Milky Way galaxy, but it's pretty big. And our sun is not even in the center of that galaxy. We're off in some small little cul-de-sac. We're not at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And our Milky Way galaxy in and of itself is a hundred thousand light years wide. What does a light year mean? A light year means traveling at 186,000 miles, not per hour, per second. Per second. That's the same as traveling around the entire Earth eight times in one second. That's how fast light travels. It would travel around our Earth eight times within one second. If you travel that fast, it would take you 100,000 light years to reach from one end of our galaxy to the other. 100,000 years traveling at 186,000 miles per second. This galaxy is huge. But some galaxies can contain 100 Milky Way galaxies. Dude, that's heavy. That's kabod. That's weighty. That's incredible. Yeah, that's what God said. The heavens declare my glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, for my kabod. You and I as individuals are designed to reflect and to radiate the glory of God. Men and women, when God went to make humanity, when he went to make man, when he went to make woman, when he went to make all humanity, he didn't start off with one prototype and then multiply it and say, yeah, I want all of humanity to look the same. No, when he started with the men, he started, no, I'm going to have some to be big, some to be small. Some have different color skins. They're going to have different types of hair. They're going to have different faces. They're going to have different bodies. They're going to look totally different. And he didn't just start with Adam. He says, no, 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 I want women as well. And so he created male and female, each female and male looking differently from the others. And then he said, I wanted to start with children and I want you to see children and their love and their creativity that they offer and the joy that they have. Not only that, but they're going to have their own unique fingerprint. They're going to have their own unique personality. And so you and I as individuals are created for the glory of God. We're created for the kabod, the heaviness, the weightiness of God. Exodus chapter 16, verse 10, we read these words. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? 
Let me give you the context here. They've left Egypt. They're in the exodus process of leaving Egypt, going into the promised land, but now they're in the desert and there's nothing to eat. And they grumbled and said, we should just go back to Egypt. Why is God doing this to us? And so God says, I'm going to take care of you, even though you're grumbling with me. And as a result, he says, you will see the glory of God. How did he take care of them? He took care of them by sending manna out of heaven. He provided for them. God's provision was his glory. As he provided supernaturally manna for them, they began to see the glory of God. God's glory is his provision. How about Exodus chapter 16, verse 10? As soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The glory of the Lord appeared, and many times that glory, the kabod of glory, appeared in the tabernacle. As the tabernacle was there, the glory of God would overtake the tabernacle. That was his very presence. God's presence appeared in the tabernacle, and he called it the glory. They saw it in the wilderness. They saw it in the tabernacle. It was the glory of God, God's presence. What about Psalm 29, verse 9? The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and all in his temple cry. Glory. Glory. Kabod. God says, yes, as I cause the deer to give birth, as little fawns are created and as they're nursed by their mother, you are seeing the glory of God. You're seeing his wisdom. You're seeing his creativity and how he makes life. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his kabod, of his glory. We've already talked about it once, but I'm going to mention it again. When God went to make the beetle, when God went to put his glory on display in the beetle, God didn't make one beetle, didn't make five beetles or 10 different types of beetles. God made 350,000 different types of beetles. The glory of God fills the earth. Men and women, when he went to make the flower, he didn't make one flower, five flowers, 10 flowers. He made 240 thousand different types of flowers on this earth. He has put his glory on display. When he meant to make the trees, he made 10,000 different types of trees. Why? To put his glory on display. When he made the fish, he made 25,000 different species of fish. Why? He wanted to put his glory on display. When he went to make the birds, he made 10 thousand different types of birds, men and women. Are you getting this idea? God loves diversity. He loves diversity. We're supposed to celebrate diversity, not be against it, but to celebrate it. God loves diversity. It's his kabod. It's his glory. It's heavy. Well, that's the Hebrew. Now let's look at the Greek. In looking at the Greek, the Greek word is doxa. Doxa means 
glory, or as very apparent, in a wide application. It's from the base of another word, dokeo. Dokeo is a prolonged form of a primary verb doko, which means to think. To think? Yeah. To think. Think about it. Think. Hmm. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, their doxa. Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert, and as he was tempting him, he said, Do you see all those kingdoms? They can be yours. They and all their glory can be yours. Think about how beautiful those kingdoms are. They can be yours. Doxa, their beauty, their majesty. Luke chapter 12, verse 27, we read these words. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Doxa, to think. To think about the lilies, to think about the flowers in the field and to see how they spread, how they multiply, how they look so absolutely beautiful. Think about that. Think about God's wisdom, his power, his reputation, his creativity. Solomon's and that of the lilies. Look at the reputation they have and think about this and think this is the glory of God. This is the glory of God. John chapter 11, verse 4, in the context of raising Lazarus from the dead. But when Jesus heard it, that Lazarus was going to die or had just died. But when Jesus heard it, hearing that Lazarus had just died, he said, this illness does not lead to death, for it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He had heard that Lazarus has died, and he said, no, this is for the glory. I want you to think about this, men and women. I want you to think about what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise him from the dead. I'm going to show off God's power. I'm going to show off the glory of God. The glory of God is the power of God. Luke 17, verse 18. In the context here, we have the lepers who were healed and all went away, but only one came back and we read these words. Was no one found to return and give praise, doxa, glory, to God except this foreigner? Praise, here doxa, it's the same Greek word, it's translated to praise, to give a high opinion of, to think about. Was no one really thinking about how Jesus did this and the glory of God and what he did? Whoa, this was incredible. And so here we have two words from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. Kabod from the Old. Kabod means weight or to be heavy. Doxa means glory or to think. From this Greek and Hebrew word, let's define glory. Now, what I'm about to show you is what I call unveiling glory's detailed definition. I want you to see it, but it is very detailed. I don't even really have it memorized myself. It goes like this. God's glory is in a revelation or expression of his excellencies in his provision, presence, rule, creativity, character, and or wisdom. Let me repeat that. God's glory is in a revelation or expression of his excellencies in his provision, 
presence, rule, creativity, character, and or wisdom. Now again, that's kind of our detailed definition. It's rather involved, it's in depth. There's a lot of words. I've never memorized it myself. When I want to quote it, I have to go to the book and read it. But there's an easier definition. Unveiling glory has a user-friendly definition and that's this. God's glory is anything that makes God look good. Therefore, building his reputation and increasing his fame. God's glory is anything that makes God look good. Did you see an incredible sunset or an incredible sunrise? Guess what? You just saw the glory of God. You just saw the glory of God. When our kids were little, we used to see a sunset. We'd say, hey, kids, look what God is painting. Look what God is painting. Why? We attributed it to God, to his glory. Look at what God is doing. Have you seen the wonder of a new birth of a baby coming out of the innards of a woman and being then alive in and of itself on its own? That is the glory of God. The birth of a new child is the glory of God. What about buds in the spring and seeing a tree begin to form its buds with a beautiful, new, fresh spring green color and the different buds that come out and blossoms? You're seeing the glory of God. Think about it. It's heavy. It's weighty. Give praise to God for it. You hear a bird chirping? You see it and it's different colors and it's beauty? You're seeing the glory of God. Have you seen a thunderstorm with lightning and you see the power of God? You're seeing his glory. Have you seen a delicate snowflake and you wonder how did God make this up? And no two snowflakes are the same. You're seeing the glory of God. Have you seen kindness? Maybe a soldier offering an apple to some kids along the road or heard about it. You're seeing the glory of God. Or have you seen a mom and a dad loving on their child? You're seeing the glory of God. Or maybe a man who's helping fix their neighbor's car. You're seeing the glory of God. Or maybe somehow you're having groceries. Somehow someone delivered them to your house as a gift. You didn't order it. And you're saying, what's this? Someone ordered it for you. You're seeing the glory of God. Or maybe does something very kind to you and then just writes, hey, I love you. I just want you to know that you are loved. You are seeing the glory of God. Let me brag on my brother-in-law. He's also my fishing buddy. He and I go fishing together. Here's one of our best catches. But his name is Troy. He's my brother-in-law. He loves to radiate the glory of God. He and his wife were driving down one day a long road, and as he was coming around a curve, he saw this house that had a tree that had fallen over the driveway. And uh, he works on trees. He cuts them up all the time. So he thought, I bet you they need some help. So he parked the car in the front of the driveway where, where the tree wasn't there yet. It was a long driveway. Walked up to the house, knocked on the door. Nobody answered. Knocked again. Nobody answered. Walked around. Nobody there. So what did he do? He gets his chainsaw and he cuts it up. And then he leaves. Wasn't paid for it? No. He knew they needed it. 
He knew they'd have to pay for it, but he just said, I'm going to do it for free. Why? He lives to glorify God. Are they going to know who did it? Well, he left his business card, but his business card says, pay it forward. In other words, do something nice for somebody else. I did something nice for you. You go do something nice for somebody else. Pay it forward. That's his business. Pay it forward tree service. And so here he glorified God by cutting up a tree that obviously had to be cut up. They couldn't get another driveway. He did it to make God look good. Men and women, God's glory is in anything that makes God look good. God's glory is anything that makes God look good. And it's all around us. It's here, it's there, it's everywhere. And this brings up something that I call potential glory. There is potential glory all around us. And I usually talk about this with a $100 bill. If you've got a $100 bill and you scrunch it up and you throw it on the ground and you stamp it with your foot, how much is that $100 bill worth? Well, it's still worth $100. I don't care if you've trampled on it, it's still worth $100. Well, what if you yelled in the name of that $100 bill? You $100 blankety blank blank bill. How much is that $100 bill worth? $100. What if you were to throw it in the trash? How much is that if you were to go to the trash and pick that $100 bill out of the trash? How much is it worth? It's still worth $100. Men and women, it doesn't matter what you do to the glory of God. You might swear with it, you might trample it, you might say it doesn't exist, you might throw it in the trash can, it does not matter. It is still the glory of God. It's still there, it's still radiating everywhere around us. Even though we may not see it, we may not acknowledge it, it's still worth the glory of God. If you have a few moments after work, guess what you can do? You can give God glory and just give him praise and thank him for what happened in the day. Or when you take a bite, thank God for how food tastes. You can give God glory in tasting food. Why? Because he could have had everything taste like chicken. <laughs> he said, no, I don't want it to taste like chicken. I want you to taste in your taste buds, all the diversity that I made in flavors. I want you to taste strawberries. I want you to relish broccoli. I want you to enjoy watermelon. I want your taste buds to tingle tasting an onion. Why? It reflects my glory. I put inside your mouth taste buds to reflect my glory. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't throw it in the trash. Don't trample on it. I want you to taste my glory. Psalm 92, verse 4. For you made me glad by your deeds. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Men and women, when I began to think about that, when I began to meditate on that, I realized there are times when I enjoy the work of my hands, and if God enjoys the work of his hands, maybe I should be enjoying the work of his hands. Let me tell you a story. 
We used to own a house in Arizona, and in that house was a garage, and inside the garage was a door that led into the house, and the kids always left the door open, meaning air conditioning was always escaping. It's what kids do. They don't always shut the door, and it was hard to shut. I'll be honest, it was hard to shut. And if you even pushed it lightly and pushed it even fairly hard, it still wouldn't shut. It just wasn't fitting right. So one day I got very upset at it, the whole thing, and so I went and I, I took the door off and I took the hinges and I realized, oh, there's some, there's, the, the wood is in there, kind of rotted a little bit, there's wood behind it. So I got some real long screws, some four inch screws, and I screwed the whole thing together. I put it back up, and when I went to close that door on the very first try, I gave it a little gentle nudge, and I went, and it latched. It latched. I did it. I'm not a great handyman, but I did it on that time. And I thought, this is great. Guess what? I got joy fixing a door. I got joy fixing a door. It worked right. It worked right. And you know what? I saw the verse in a whole new light. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Men and women, I can now see a family walking down the road with the parents holding their kids' hands and realize that's the way God designed a family to be. That's what God wants for families to be together, be laughing and giggling. And I think God must be smiling at that family. And if God's going to get joy from that family, why can't I? And I can start to smile at just looking at a family or looking at children having fun and saying, God must be delighting in these children having a blast. And if God is delighting at these children having a blast, I can be happy too. Or to see a couple in their 60s, their 70s, still going out on dates. God says, that's the way I designed marriage. That's what I want it to be. And if God can be happy, why can't I be happy? Why can't I be happy? And so I can smile at a couple going on a date. Or someone helping an international student learn English or learn a language. I thought, God's getting happiness out of that. I want to get happiness too. Or someone helping a little child, whether it's a mother, whether it's an adopted mother, or whether it's a foster whatever, a parent helping a child, God's getting pleasure. Or if I see a father doing something with a son, in this picture brushing his teeth, or in a hardware store where he's saying, son, this is what this saw does, and this is why I'm going to get it. And I, when I saw a dad doing that, I tapped him on his shoulder. I said, good job, dad. Good job. Why? Because I knew God was getting pleasure. And if God was getting pleasure, I wanted to get pleasure too. And I wanted him to know the pleasure that I had. Good job, dad. Or when there are volunteers putting up a home, men and women, God is getting joy. And if God is getting joy, why can't I? Why do I have to be such a sourpuss looking at all the negative things in life? I've decided I want joy. I want joy. I get joy looking at a bird. I get joy seeing a sunset. Let's have joy in our lives. Never forget the verse we keep quoting over and over and over again. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So, unveiling glory's user-friendly definition in defining the glory of God. 
God's glory is anything that makes God look good. Therefore, building his reputation and increasing his fame. God's glory is anything that makes God look good. Well, that's the end of this chapter. Hey, in our next time together, I want you to see the freedom in living for God's glory. The freedom in living for God's glory. No matter what life throws at you, whether it's cancer, whether it's death, whatever, you can still be free. Don't miss this. Welcome to maturing the bride. Hey, thanks for watching the One Degree Off Lectures in the Maturing the Bride series. I hope and pray that you are realigning your own personal walk with God in fresh new ways, living passionately for the glory of our Father. As you continue to invest in your eternity future, please consider Unveiling Glory. We're a 501c3 ministry, nonprofit organization. We want to get this message out as far as we can. Hence, please feel free to partner with us in getting this word out. Also, don't forget to check out our homeschooling curriculum, as well as all of the ministry opportunities that we have throughout Africa and in other parts of the world. We'd love to have you come on one of our short-term trips. Thanks so much. You have a super fantastic rest of your day.